Welcome to Financial Crime Matters with Kieran Beer. I'm Kieran Beer, Chief Analyst and Director of Editorial Content for ACAMS. In this episode, I talk with Carly Yost, CEO and founder of the Child Rescue Coalition. Carly discusses how the coalition has trained law enforcement in 98 countries to use technology that has led to the arrest of over 14,700 child predators. I hope you find the podcast informative and that you'll subscribe to Financial Crime Matters either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. Here we go. Well, we are live at ACAMS, the Assembly Las Vegas. I have with me Carly Yost, who is the Chief Executive Officer and founder of the Child Rescue Coalition. And Carly, I know you guys do amazing work and is about trying to prevent the online exploitation of children. Can you tell me a little bit about what the scope of this heinous crime is? Sure. Unfortunately, we're seeing numbers just rise and rise in the exploitation of children online. And that really is specifically what Child Rescue Coalition tries to fight. We're seeing numbers like one in four girls, one in six boys will be sexually abused before the age of 18. And at Child Rescue Coalition, we're trying to provide a proactive way in identifying who these predators are. Unfortunately, not always do children come forward to name their abuser or be the sole evidence in a crime. So we're providing black and white, hardcore, felony-level data to provide convictions against these predators. And, you know, the perpetrators and the victims, this is both in the U.S. and internationally, right? Oh, yes. So we track really all around the world. Anywhere that has access to the Internet, we're seeing this problem is occurring. Uh, We have tracked actually 72 million IP Uh, addresses around uh, the world that are trading this kind of content. And so we have officers... 72 million IP addresses. Yes. And so we keep a whole database in our system and uh, allow it to be accessible for law enforcement to access in their jurisdiction and build a case and actually build, make an arrest of those predators. And do you have a sense of the kinds of numbers of people that are involved in this? I also wanted to add that we are working in all 50 states and we've actually trained investigators in 98 countries. Uh, we're hoping that all countries will have investigators focused on this type of crime, um, but we're able to track it. And we're going to get a little bit more to the model, which is to train investigators and everything. Tell me a little bit about who are the kinds of people that perpetrate this crime. Is there a a type? A lot of times it's family members, and other times it is people that are uh, intercepted from troubled regions that are, you know, where there's economic displacement, right, that get trafficked. Anyway, tell me a little bit about how this breaks down. So... Most often time, we're seeing that 90% of the time, it's someone who knows the child. They've either related to a family member or they've gained the trust and access to that child. So we do see that it's someone who parents, they get groomed, they groom the family and then even groom the child. And then not only do they go on to abuse these children, but sometimes they take videos and images of that abuse and trade that 
on these open peer-to-peer -peer file sharing networks. And so that's specifically who we're looking at. So when you ask the, the demographic of who these type of predators are, when we're talking about what we're looking at, the type of data that we hold, which is the file sharing online uh, trading of these images of abuse, it typically is predominantly male. And that really is the only demographic. It's uh, all around the world. It's anyone who has access to the internet. And we're really seeing an overwhelming amount of data coming into our system. And so maybe we could talk for a minute about what it is that you do in terms of the, you offer software and then training how to use the software that you know, goes out onto the net and into the dark net, I guess, and finds images. Anyway, explain to me. Sure. Uh, so exactly, we are providing investigators and really specifically is investigators who focus on crimes against children. Uh, we provide them a, a whole tool and completely free of charge. So we are a nonprofit 501c3 organization and we provide training and access to our system free of charge. And we really believe that we would never want to turn an officer off of the system or a country based on the fact that they wouldn't be able to pay or afford access to this. So we provide them a view of their jurisdiction, who the IP addresses have been trading the most amount of content, who we even believe is more likely to be a hands-on abuser of a child, and they can do everything from issue the subpoena, build a case against the offender, see exactly what kind of content that they're trading and what age range of victims that they prefer, pretty much everything they need to build that case, make the arrest of the individual. And there's a lot of uh, work that goes into it afterwards. And so too, you know, law enforcement people are in their, their capacity, they're, they will look at some of these images, but I think the tool goes out and just sort of identifies them and it doesn't show these images and the law enforcement follow up and everything. So that, that's part of what the tool is. And Yeah, so we're able to identify these files without having to thankfully view them ourselves. We, I'm not law enforcement, and so it would be illegal for our team to store this kind of files or even view it. But unfortunately, these investigators do see it. They have to categorize new material, new evidence, um, but they tell us when they find a new file or a new child that's being victimized and put their imagery out there on the open web, to be treated, they actually let us know about these files. And we're specifically going into peer-to-peer -peer file sharing networks. And we're able to, by a hash identifier, we're able to track and identify who's trading the content, where it's being shared, and how many really predators around the world are, are gaining access to it and have it stored on their device. You mentioned you're in 50 states. How many law enforcement agencies, and, and I think there maybe is a few outside the country organizations that are using this too, but how many law enforcement organizations are, and in addition to the 50 states, where are you? Yeah, so we've trained in 98 countries and being used in all 50 states wow. by mostly Internet Crimes Against Children Officers Task Forces and those affiliated with those type of crimes. But we've trained over 15,000 investigators and really strong users in not just the United States, but Canada, Brazil, the United Kingdom, uh, just to name a few, really. And there's so many countries that are, are doing great work being proactive against this. 
in terms of children, I know you have a we to, when we did a, we talked to, before you came on typologies about you know parents everywhere need to look after their children and be aware of what they're viewing and there are some telltale signs when children start to have this awful experience of being drawn into this world in some way and so because sometimes it is an online casting net that brings them in kind of thing tell, tell me a little yeah. bit about that well I think it's a good point that you bring up we do here in that predators cast a really wide net meaning they most children are going to be unfortunately approached at some point by a predator uh, so it's really we encourage parents to ask what they're doing online create that open communication they're not going to know every app every game every platform but you can ask your children, what, what are you online, what are you using, what, what games are you playing? Is there a chat component with it? Um, sit there and Google the game that they just downloaded and see if there's threats or dangers. Because I think it's something like a thousand new apps come out every single day. No parent wow. can yeah. keep ahead of every single one. But certainly as far as these predators, which we've seen that over 85% of those that are viewing content, sharing content, they've already hands-on abused a child. And so that's really what we're looking to prevent is any kind of hands-on abuse of children. And proactively, how can we catch them before they go on to abuse war children? So some of the signs to look for in a child who is experiencing abuse is, you know, are they withdrawn? Are they pulling away? Are they using devices now in the bedroom or bathroom hiding you know online activity or who they're talking to but sometimes really there could be no signs and it, it really is taking that parent to keep that communication be proactive asking them who they have contact with but sometimes really those victims never come forward with what's happening to them yeah and and i think too you know we were in a way the watching out for your child suggests that there's parental supervision and parents that care and those children can be the victims of this but maybe I, is there something you can say about vulnerable children i mean yes. predators find vulnerable children right children that have an unstable parental situation or no parental situation or whatever they do i mean we know that predators look for children who who can they gain access who maybe isn't being watched as much and really look for the vulnerable situations to take advantage so we oftentimes, a lot of our cases end up being the Boy Scout leader, the gymnastics coach, the, the teacher, the principal, but they are putting themselves in a position where they have access to lots of children and they're profiling, identifying which children is an easier target. And I would just say for parents uh, who already are, are you know, being very protective and cautious, it's a really good thing, I think, Parents are fearful of this could happen, um, but it's really who you're allowing that one-on-one -on -one access to with your child. So sleepovers, one-on-one -on -one stays, you know, who is trying to gain access and have alone time with your child and just to be cautious of it. And it may even be like, I, I, I was just thinking what I said when I asked the question too, a little bit as a neighbor to be aware of vulnerable children around you and everything too, who may not have that parental. Yeah, and to be a mentor to that child and try to be helpful. Are there things that you say to law enforcement that, you know, law, that they really need to be aware of that they often are not aware of about this crime? 
I do sympathize for investigators because they're overwhelmed. It's so many cases and they're really just having to stay scratching the surface on this because there's just so many predators and so many cases to be building. Um, so certainly empathize with these investigators. But encouraging awareness and education that organizations like Child Rescue Coalition exist. We're here and wanting to help. We want to build really strong, amazing cases against these predators. And if you're one thing I think the investigators might not know is just that you can use our system even if the lead came from another source. So you're an investigator, maybe a child victim came forward. Maybe you're working a different time of investigation or case, a criminal lead, but you want to see if does that IP address exist in Child Rescue Coalition's database? And if it does, it really builds a really slam dunk case against that predator, whereas it might not have been the strongest of cases beforehand. And that's a really important thing that law enforcement be sharing that information around the network. And, it, and I guess it comes into your database, too, and whatever. And I know there's other organizations that collect those, that kind of information, right? That's what you're really saying. That, yeah. That they don't just keep that for the local prosecution or whatever. Right? right. Well, I would hope that they use all the tools in their toolbox. Make sure you're using Child Rescue Coalition's technology. And you don't have to tell us about the case you're working on, but look up that IP address, see if they were also trading illegal files, see if we can be part of that I'm just thinking then too, conviction. you can tip other, well, you can be part of that conviction. And then uh, I know that's really, as you pointed out early on, that's strong evidence often yes. when there's uh, unreliable testimony or, or testimony that's challenged is unreliable in these cases. But but I also was thinking just about, the, you know, the, the importance of this information and getting this widespread, even if, if it's not detailed perhaps, but the IP addresses and everything to law enforcement in a lot of different places. Right. So I, I think it's about awareness. Thing. So we appreciate you having us here because really any type of investigators that are looking into a certain case or have an online potential predator, they can be running it in our system. But as you said, it really could make the difference between a not one of the strongest cases to where you see when you have an abuser come forward, it's roughly 40% conviction rate. Right. And I think that's high. That's if it yeah. goes to yeah. trial. That's yeah. if yeah. if it goes all the way to wow. a conviction. Yeah. Whereas our cases, we're seeing over a 97% conviction rate. Yeah. Well, so uh, we've talked a little bit about what you would say to law enforcement. Obviously, this crowd is a financial institutions crowd. And there's probably a number of ways that they can make this their cause, too. Some of them already have in various ways and in other organizations, including and, and probably with yours. But what are the messages to financial institutions in terms of looking for transactions, perhaps, that are related to spreading this material around and making profit from it? I think one of the misconceptions is that these videos and images are always traded for a financial component. Right. A lot of times they're not. They're openly and freely traded almost like baseball cards, predators trading them amongst each other. But we do see that the trend is too to move people into private chat rooms, to charge admission, to be using financial institutions as payment platforms to be able to charge and lure predators into paying someone who has access to a real child and is is abusing that child. Um, so we encourage them to be using our system and to know that our data exists. If they have any kind of criminal investigation, 
and they have access to that IP address, they could be running, even if it's historical data, in our system and see if that person is ever engaged in this activity. Well, as I told our audience, we are live at the Assembly Las Vegas, and that, that we did not plan to have our music out, but that may be our music out. Uh, the band has started up around us. But uh, any last thing that you'd like to say to the audience in terms of what they can do to help you do your work with you? I know this organization is a labor of love. It's like your father started this in some way, I believe, and you've carried it on. And, and what can they do? Is it contributions? Is it what other things can they do to help uh, you with the work that you do? Yeah, my father believes so much in building technology that would change the way all types of investigators did their investigation. So maybe some people out there might be familiar with Sizent, uh, which he developed the Accurate Tool, um, and then TLL and the TLOXP tool, and also AutoTrack back in the 90s. So those tools that my father developed, which is how I got into this in the first place. Although this technology was created by an amazing team of law enforcement that still leads uh, our organization today, which is just awesome to support. Um, it was actually after the passing of my father that I said, I want to make this a nonprofit, want to continue it to allow it to be accessible by law enforcement around the world because it's so important. We really are making a difference. We've arrested now close to 15,000 child predators, and I think that's even an underrepresented number. Of course, we exist because of, of donations. We keep the technology free. But I really think this audience, and the reason I came here to speak with you today, is because there's so many different types of companies, there's so many different types of investigators who they might not even know that our data source is available yeah. and accessible. So reach out to us at childrescuecoalition.org or our info at childrescuecoalition.org and see how your company or your investigators can get involved, can get access, and can build really amazing cases. Well, Carly, thank you for your time. Carly Yost, Chief Executive Officer and Founder of the Child Rescue Coalition. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Carly Yost of the Child Rescue Coalition. I hope you found the podcast compelling and that you will subscribe to Financial Crime Matters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud so that you'll receive an alert for each new podcast. Because... Financial crime matters to me and to you. See you next time.